It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trainer. I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. You can find all my work by following me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trainer, T-R-A-I-N-A. And you can always drop a question for our Twitter Tuesday feature to me by tagging it Ask P Train, P T R A I N. We do Twitter Tuesday every week. And with me on the program today, I have Zach Moore, who is a writer over at Over the Cap. And he does a lot of work with the salary cap. And I figured, you know, we would do a show on the cap and the value because, you know, Starting this, actually starting last week, the Giants started to make some of the moves, you know, trimming some of the deadweight contracts and whatnot. So uh, who better to talk salary cap than Zach, who, who does this, you know, for over the cap, does it for a living. Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to come to the program. Hey, thank you. Have, thank you for having me back. Uh, I look forward to getting into this. And uh, it's it's always an honor to be on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Big fan of your work. So, Zach, let's let's talk about, you know, I, I mean, so far the moves the Giants have made, trimming Connor Barwin, trimming Jonathan Stewart, really not a surprise. But in terms of, you know, what's still to come, and as we record this, just so everybody knows, we're recording this show on February 7th. So anything that happens between now and, and the time the show airs is, you know, we didn't know about, obviously. But what are some of the, the other moves that you anticipate the Giants will make and what kind of impact will they have on their cap? Well, there's there's a quite a bit of an issue in terms of the top five to top ten uh, in terms of the roster right now. They're so and, – and you wrote about this as well. They're so top-heavy right now. They have 50% of the cap invested in their top five. And it's not exactly a top five that inspires fear in anyone. You got Eli, Odell, Vernon, Solder, and Jenkins, right? And so, other than Odell and Vernon, like these aren't guys who even have PFF grades over 80, which you know is kind of a prerequisite to be spending. Uh, just out of those five, every, every single one of those guys is over 7.7% of the salary cap. The top four are all almost over 9% of the salary cap, which is stuff that isn't, is just unheard of. The Giants have three guys on their roster with cap hits um, that are in the top 32 in the league, right? 32 teams, they've got three of the highest guys. So they've, they've created this scenario where um, they're going to have to make some probably considering where we know the roster is right now, where we know the salary cap is as of right now, um, prior to moving on from anyone, um, and including the rookie pool money where the giants are currently projected to spend over $11 million on their, uh, one, two, five, eight, what is it? 10 I think it's nine or 10 draft picks. Uh, they're, they're projected to have 11 picks. I think. 11. 
11, correct, correct, 11. Um, 11 picks, 11, about 11 million invested in that. So after all that, the team will basically have about $20 million worth of cap space to work with. Now, considering where we know the team is, where, where we have the Landon Collins scenario as well, we have his, uh, his franchise tag, I think by itself will be about over, it will be just over $11 million. So say you franchise him, you've only got $9 million to work with. The team is in a position where they may have to make a difficult decision at two positions that will now kind of leave them with a whole, well, it's two or three positions depending on, you know, we've got the Eli Manning situation. Uh, he could clear $17 million. Uh, Olivier Vernon could cre- clear $15.5 million in cap space. And Janoris Jenkins could clear $7.75 million in cap space uh, in, in terms of the savings. So with the three of these guys, I mean, you look at the Giants' qu- cornerback situation. And, and this is really kind of a big thing that jumped out to me when researching all this is that I see a lot of people say the three biggest needs for the Giants right now are quarterback, offensive tackle, and cornerback. And then the other ones are safety, uh, outside, inside linebacker, and then the interior of the line. But you look at those top three, quarterback, tackle, cornerback, I mean, they've got three guys making you know big money at those positions, and the positions still aren't solved. And, and in, in two of those cases, in terms of Jenkins and Manning, these are guys that they might be capable of moving on from, but then that also means now you've got to replace them. You've got to replace Jenkins, who you know is an average veteran at this point. And this, these are all the consequences of uh, the spending spree in 2016, where you sign, uh, we signed Vernon Jenkins, um, and then then the next year signing JPP. So it's just. It was kind of a, a last-ditch effort by the previous regime to save their jobs because of a point that you and I have discussed uh, on more than one occasion, the uh, the lack of ability for the team, uh, the lack of um, veterans that became you know guys they re-signed at a high cost because they didn't have any draft success for, they didn't have much draft success for about three to five years there. And the other thing with the Eli conversation too is that as we look at the Giants, we haven't gotten to see what Eli has been capable of really in a, in a, with a good offensive line for three to five years. He's had a bad offensive line uh, basically since uh, Dave, like Dave Deal retired. You know, I mean, it, it, since that champ, those championship lines, you know, started to retire and move on. Um, so the team has some big decisions to make on, on those top five guys and, and the three, three of those top five being Manning, Vernon and Jenkins. So, those are those are the ways to create more cap space. I um, mean, I'll, I'll get into, um, you know, but we'll get into the scenarios. Um, you know, what what do you think? Because you're you're the Giants expert, so I, I I like to defer to you on this. Who do you think is the most likely candidate out of those three for the Giants to move on from? Because I've heard uh, Jason from Over the Cap said that cutting Vernon seems to be a no brainer, but he is still performing at a good level. Um, but he's not performing at the level of someone who costs you ten percent of the salary cap, for instance. Um, but but you know, what do you think about moving on from those one of those three guys or two of those three guys? I, I agree with you uh, uh, regarding uh, regarding. Actually, I agree with Jason. I'm sorry. Regarding Vernon, I think he's a solid player. Um, is he performing at Khalil Mack or Vaughn Miller money that he's getting? The answer is no. 
Um, it's not his fault that he's been injured, but yeah, I, I could see them moving on from him, especially considering that the draft class is so rich in defensive line and, and, and edge rushing yes. talent. To me, that makes the most sense. You know, if they can somehow work out a deal where they can get him at a lower amount, I, you know, I, I, I would not be against that because like I said, I do think he's, he's a good enough player. He's a functional player, but he's not, you know, a top, the performance just hasn't been top level. And, and uh, I think you're to your earlier point, uh, they did overspend because they whiffed on Demontre Moore. They whiffed on like a Marvin Austin, yeah. uh, you know, so many other guys that they whiffed on. And, and it's a vicious cycle that Dave Gettleman is trying to break. Now, as far as Eli Manning is concerned, I know a lot of Giant fans want to see him sent packing. I do not believe that's going to happen. Now, a lot of people always accuse me of, oh, you know, if it were up to her, she'd pe- you know, he would play until he was 84. No. That's that's not what I'm saying. You've got to look at the, the, the overall picture. And the overall picture here is even if you do draft a rookie, okay, you're still going to need to bring him along. You're not going to just throw a guy in there right off the bat. I mean, they didn't do that with Eli, and he was the number one overall pick in the draft who they acquired via trade. So you're still going to need a veteran transition plan there. So Eli is going to be the starting quarterback in 2019 unless he gets injured whether people like it or not. Now, after that, that remains to be seen. What I would do if I were the Giants is I would look to lower Eli Manning's cap hit this year, which would necessitate tacking on an extra year. But what people don't understand when I say that is that the second year can be a dummy year, a year that he never sees, but is just there to absorb some of the, you know, the shuffling around of the money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I, I like that assessment too. Um, my concern with extending him past that is sort of kicking the can down the road. That's my that's my main concern with the Eli Manning um, situation the Giants are in now. And because the other issue I have with uh, drafting a quarterback, because I, I think they should draft a quarterback this year. I know. Uh, I think you said you you would like to see them go defensive end, right? Uh, pass rusher is, is pass yeah. rusher, right? Yep. Right. So I I think that. Uh, I think they should go quarterback or left tackle because I think that they'll be able to find defensive end talent in the middle rounds, or that's a position that they can then find. Uh, of course, they don't have a third round pick because of the Sam Beal um, supplementary draft pick. And in terms of like, I mean, th- how do you feel about their defensive line outside of Vernon? I mean, Tomlinson's becoming a good player, right? And then you've got Hill. Um, what do you think about Lorenzo Carter? I think he's got promise, but look, I also think they need depth on that front seven. I yeah. mean, you look, they they switched over to a 3-4, and, you know, Tomlinson, he's a player. Um, B.J. Hill is a player. But they really don't have anybody else who you can honestly say is a player. You know, Carter and Vernon are outside edge rushers. You know, Carter's not going anywhere. Vernon, like I said, I I don't feel good about him being back. So you really don't have a whole lot, and you yeah. and just look at the production over the last couple of years. You know the the sacks have been at or near the bottom third of the league. So that to me says that they have to address that. And then you know I go back to something Dave Gettleman said earlier when he talked about you know look I like to have depth on the defensive line so that you can roll guys in and out of the lineup. Yeah. They don't really have that, if you think about it. You know, Kerry Wynn is going to be a free agent. Josh Morrow is going to be a free agent. They've got this kid, R.J. McIntosh, who, you know, came on towards the end of the year after he he was medically cleared. 
but really who else do they have? Yeah, I mean, they don't. Uh, they, that's a big point too, as well. Gettleman has the right thinking there because it, we see it with a lot of the championship teams. I actually I haven't looked at the 2018 Patriots breakdown, but the 2017 Eagles, the 2016 Patriots, in terms of snap count, uh, both teams had like a you know five. Uh, they had like six or seven guys that had between you know forty five percent of their defensive line snaps and you know sixty percent of their defensive line snaps. So it's like. There's, I, I like what John Gruden said during one game a few years ago was that it's like bringing in a closer who has that fastball that's just exploding after they've seen a starting pitcher sort of wane down toward the end of the game. You know, in the seventh inning, the starting pitcher is not throwing with the same kind of heat that he's throwing with in the first inning. You bring in, you know, a, a Mariano Rivera, and suddenly, you know, th- this looks quite quite a bit faster. Um, with these defensive linemen, the, the offensive line stays on the field the entire game. That if you bring in defensive, and they're also the guys that are moving backwards, that, which is you know a naturally an unnatural, uh, a, a, an unnatural uh, way of moving. Uh, while the other a defensive lineman is this explosive athlete who's running at you with the ability to grab you. To I mean, def- offensive linemen can't hold you. I mean, there's there's a variety of things that are an advantage for the defensive line and bringing more speed in and bringing the ability to, uh, to, to bring fresh legs in is, is something that I think is a carryover in any sport. You know, a fre- uh, you see it with a, a fresh fourth da- uh, running back who's fresh in the fourth quarter against a def- defense who's been on the field for, you know, 80 snaps in a game. So it's just the general premise of that is a really strong premise. So to your point about drafting a defensive end in the first round, it's a very valid point. My only concern is the the offensive line. And the problem with the Giants right now is they have so, so many holes. And they don't really have the cap space to do much with it because of the past spending spree. So it's, re- it's, it's, it's a difficult – it's more – it's not a one-year project either. I mean we're looking at the Giants probably not being competitive – in terms of a playoff Super Bowl type contender for probably another two seasons, really, realistically, mm-hmm. you know, because they have so, and which which may speak to the may speak to the need to move on from Olivier Vernon or Janoris Jenkins and and or Janoris Jenkins because maybe you just say that 2019 is a wash, but that was kind of my concern with the Barkley pick, although. Um, I think uh, we were talking about it previously. The value of you know a running back—you can't find a great running back in free agency. And Saquon Barkley gave gave y'all like seventy five hundred receiving yards last year, two thousand total um, scrimmage yards. And if you go on the open market and try and find a wide receiver or even a James White type of running back, uh, you know James White is like a two and a half, three percent of the salary cap guy. A 750-yard receiver is a three and three percent of the salary cap guy, four percent salary cap guy. Um, so, and then you can't find these kind of explosive playmaking running backs in free agency. And we saw plenty of times this year when Saquon Barkley made plays that that changed the complexion of the game. So, my my in terms of my beliefs on running back, they're changing. But the running back as you know that second round pick kind of made me feel like the giant the, the organization felt like they were still in like a win now mode which is a real concern for me with a lot of organizations for instance like the cardinals it seems like for the last 7 years have been making moves that ha- with the philosophy behind them that we need to get one for Larry Fitzgerald 
And it, it, that those kind of moves that don't kind of take a step back and say, all right, this year's not the year. The Giants need to make those kind of this year's not the year moves, right. um, if, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, and I think maybe a defensive lineman is that kind of deal. But then there's also, you, I think you also pointed out that Daryl Williams is, is a guy from Carolina who's a right tackle who might be able to be signed in free agency for a pretty decent um, cost because he finished I think he only played one game he finished the season on the IR and he came off a great 2017 and you know th- there's interior offensive linemen that can be addressed through free agency as well and you know the, the group works as a whole so maybe one or two signings here maybe the right late round because uh, you can find interior linemen you know in the fifth or sixth round obviously these things aren't happening at a high rate but it's it's a decent rate for that position, comparatively speaking to other positions. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Patriots have built their offensive line for years on fifth and sixth round picks. And when you see what the Patriots do, you really got to question other organizations and their cap- their coaching abilities. And I think that Pat Shermer um, is a very good offensive coach. And it's something that I, I, uh, I wrote about last week for Over the Cap was that the last four offensive, the last four teams left in the playoffs this year all had great offensive minds. Um, either leading them or their offensive coordinators. And, and Shermer has to be that guy for the Giants to take a step forward without making drastic changes on the, off- on the offense, especially the offensive line. And, and who's, you know, who's the offensive line coach you know, if, uh, I, I, who, uh, is, with the Giants? Who's the offensive line coach? Uh, Hal Hunter. Uh, does he have a history of you know, putting together a great offensive line? Because that's, uh, that's important. Yeah, that that depending on who you talk to uh, uh, that that's a, a head scratcher um as to as to you know what they're going to do there but we'll see i mean i i would think at this point if they haven't made any coaching changes there i i'm assuming they're going to stick with it but you know but we'll see whether or not they do or not zach let's take a quick break um when we come back i want to uh pr- present a a proposal that I actually have written about regarding Landon Collins. I wanted to get your take on it. So let's take a short break and we'll come back and and talk about that. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. You're with Patricia Trainer's special guest, Zach Moore. He's a writer at Over the Cap, knows the salary cap. Better than I do, actually. <laughs> I think, you know, just when I think I have it all down pat, there's always something that comes up. I go to Zach, Zach or Jason Fitzgerald. Both of them are always kind enough to, to help me out, as is Joel Corey, who is the granddaddy of them all when it comes yes. to the salary yes, cap. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, so we can't forget Joel. He he is the granddaddy, the master. So anyway, Zach, I mentioned a, a proposal I wanted to throw out at you. And it involves Landon Collins. Now, I had written this for Forbes. And given the Giants cap situation and how they, you know, they're going to need to clear some more money, I 
floated the idea of maybe the Giants using the transition tag on Landon Collins versus the the franchise tag because you know the transition tag would come at about two million or so less than the franchise tag. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts on Collins are, I mean, he's coming off injury, right? And and the problem with that kind of deal, though, is that you're the another team is basically making the deal for you, right? Because the transition tag ends up being a scenario where uh, we saw it with um, Kyle Fuller in Chicago last year, right? Um, the Packers gave him a deal, and then the Bears ended up signing him to that deal. Uh, I, I I see the logic behind it, and I either either option is good for him. I mean, the transition tag comes in at two, like you said, two million dollars less. I like that option, but my only concern would be then the signing, having to sign him into a long term deal if you're not comfortable with him. But I'm pretty comfortable with Landon Collins uh, as an organization, and and I like the logic behind it because what you're saying in your article right here is that. Say that he gets signed for like $9.3 million a year. That's actually below the top of the market. And that might be what his value is to someone coming off of a year in which he was injured. Uh, I think that he's part of the Giants' long-term plans. And I I would, if I was a Giants fan, I I would want him to be uh, with this organization for moving forward, especially considering they're about to be a team without much going on at cornerback. you could say that if Jenkins is gone, the, your cornerback situation is basically you got Grant Haley. You got to hope that Sam Beal becomes uh, a player because there's really not much there. Um, and I mean, maybe BW Webb sticks around, but that's not a guy you build your defense off of. Collins becomes a steadying force, and it's something that I like um, philosophically. I like having your safety being that big money guy on the on the defensive back end because in my opinion the safety market is undervalued especially compared to um a cornerback market that's about 15 million dollars a year because the top of the safety market is right right now it's eric berry and that contract is 13 million dollars a year but the rest of the market is it's quite a bit below that and it could still stay there i mean harrison smith like he wrote in the article when was that deal signed? That deal was signed in. Um, that deal was signed in 2016, and that was a 10.25 million dollar contract. So maybe on the open market, a new high, like a, the the highest that a guy will see, is probably around 12, 13 million, which is something that I, I I see as a feasible option for the Giants that allows that defensive backfield to continue to I mean to to at least be competent in the meantime until they they bring something more to the table at the cornerback position. Zach, what is a good formula, if there is such a good formula, in terms of building a roster cap-wise? In other words, you know, you're always going to have certain positions that are that are going to be worth, um, you know, worth so much money. You know, the quarterback position, for example, you know, uh, unless you're on a rookie deal, your quarterback is going to earn upwards of 20 plus million per season. But is there a formula that, teams the successful teams generally follow in terms of okay we allocate x percentage of our cap on say the defensive line x percentage on the on the linebacker or does it vary more according to the talent that that a team has it always has to be dependent on what you have available to you right so it's kind of based on what you it's all based on what you draft well 
Um, and, but the, the thing that I saw, and it's something we saw with the final four teams this year, was that if you are going to be spending big money on a quarterback, he has to be like a Hall of Fame level player. He, and that's what you see with a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees. Despite Brady, you know, Brady didn't, didn't wow us statistically this year, but there are certain benefits like a Peyton Manning in 2015 that a knowledgeable quarterback has. These these guys are, you know, coaches on the field. And something I've been talking about a bit lately is that, you know, an offensive coordinator or a good schematic defensive coordinator and the guys who are creating what the players are doing on the field, that is the biggest value creator in the organization. Now add to that, you know, behind that is a quarterback and a quarterback who has the knowledge. Kevin Clark wrote something about how quarterbacks might be able to perform into their early 40s with great regularity now because of the lack of big hits that are coming because of all the new rules. Matt Hasselbeck had a quote in the article that was interesting to me was that it's not about a bunch of hits. It's about that one hit that makes you feel like crap for like the next three days. Um, And, you know, you don't feel like you're back to normal until Wednesday. So with that scenario, you know, you look at Eli and you got to hope that he becomes, he can be that field general on the field for this organization because right now the Giants are in a position where they're not really doing things correctly. They've spent their money in the most important positions, right? The top five we talked about are quarterback, wide receiver, defensive end, left tackle, cornerback. But because of the lack of draft success, there's no balance around, there's no, I don't think they have, I mean, I'm looking at their, their top 17 guys right now and what I mean there aren't many guys there that really are producing crazy value when you look at the Browns why are the Browns such a contender uh in people's minds for the next few years we've got we're looking at Baker Mayfield Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward three guys at three expensive positions that are going to cost no more than three percent of the salary cap uh, three or four percent of the salary cap over the next few years. Three to five, I'm sorry. Three to five. And those are positions that, as we see with the Giants, could cost you 34 percent of the salary cap. So part of this dance that teams are trying to do in terms of figuring out how to balance out their rosters, if you have that high-cost quarterback, you're going to need to find value at other positions. And, and that's all based on drafting well, and that's why the Giants are in the position they're in now. Because as you said um, as well, the rookie contract quarterback is really the most valuable asset, and in my opinion, the most valuable asset in sports because we're looking at a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson or whoever. These guys are not going to cost you more than you know that 5% of the salary cap if they're the top of the first-round pick, but they're going to be providing you with <clears throat> similar production to players, especially with the influx of coaches incorporating spread concepts that these quarterbacks are familiar with like Andy Reid, like why was Patrick Mahomes so successful? Because these guys are crafting offenses around what they're comfortable with and what works based on you know, their principled views on the game. And with these guys, I mean, you're able to make more mistakes elsewhere because you have this low-cost quarterback. You're able to spend $16 million a year on Sammy Watkins because you know your quarterback costs you nothing. Um, so it, it's... You have to – the first-round pick is, you know, an important thing to get right. And something that really killed the Giants over the last few years was striking out on Eric Flowers and um, and Eli Apple uh, because those are two guys that could have been, you know, if they, if they worked out, could have been 
you know, the, the pieces we talk about um, in terms of those valuable low-cost pieces that are helping the Giants make up for some of those big cap hits at the top and, and have a more complete roster. Because as, as we stand right now, we're looking at a scenario where um, they need a right tackle. They spent a bunch of money on a left tackle because flowers didn't work. I mean, there are consequences to these failures. And, you know, it, it's – and part of – one thing I, I'd like to point out in terms of defensive ends is that uh, something you said was the rotation, the rotational aspect. And we saw it with the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the stunts and, and the ability of the defensive coordinator to put people in positions where they're going to succeed. And uh, it's you've got to have a bunch of defensive ends. So if you're going to spend money there, I'd rather have a bunch of guys. Yeah, I'd rather have a bunch. You got to have a bunch of draft picks behind them that are performing at a high level. And like you said, there's not much there. Yeah, and you know, you made a very good point uh, just now. The fact that the fact that the uh, the first round picks, the draft picks didn't pan out, didn't really, you know, it, it didn't offset the high spending because as we know, um, free agency should be used to supplement rather than to yeah. to build. And and unfortunately, the Giants, because their draft classes haven't always panned out, they've had to rely on free agency more or less to build. And that's kind of why they're in the position they are today. And one issue that they had at the end of that tenure was from 2013 to 2015, the Giants were last or first in the league in the most games lost to injury. So they were, I mean, it was partially, it was thankfully they finally fired their strength coach because that's a direct reflection of what you're doing in the offseason in terms of, you know, not some of those, a broken leg can't be avoided, but a pulled hamstring or a torn ACL. These are things that can be avoid, uh, avoided in some cases based on what you're doing in the weight room. And that ended up putting them in a situ- scenario where I think they felt desperate enough to make that, uh, make that big splash in 2016. And their logic must have been, yeah, we've gone 6-10 and 10 the last two years, but everyone's been injured. So if we add Damon Harrison, uh, Vernon, and Jenkins, maybe we're in a different position. And you know they went 11 and 5 but now they're you know you, you and I could have told them that Olivier Vernon wasn't going to be worth 10% of the salary cap this year you know so they they're they're decisions that were made that end up not paying off because of that lack of draft draft success and because of their inability to see what they had because all the all the uh, injuries mhm yeah for sure for sure Zach, let's take our final break. When we come back, I want to get a few more thoughts from you on the salary cap in general. Especially, I want to talk about the the projections for the league. So, folks, do stay with us. We'll be right back. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trana and special guest Zach Moore, who writes for Over the Cap. And we've been talking salary cap, giant salary cap. And Zach, let's let's turn our attention just real quick to the league-wide salary cap. Now, the number hasn't yet been set, but there's been a projection, I think, 
between uh oh goodness now i'm losing my 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 thought here i think it's, it's about be, 187 to like 190 195 or something like that somewhere in the like 187 to 191 range i think okay and so so just based on the projection i mean what what's your gut feeling is it going to be on that high end of the range or the low end of the range uh it's going to be on the high end of the range um i've done like uh, i think it was a 2015 I did an analysis of the average growth of the um, of the salary cap, and it was a, about a seven point five percent increase year over year. So when people talk about you know what a big jump, the salary cap jump by over twelve million dollars, something, um, it sounds like a lot of money, but that uh, and and our our cap um, at over the cap we've set the projected cap at one hundred ninety million. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I what I saw in that research was that th- this this cap is going to keep increasing. You know, ju- if it just keeps increasing in that seven point five range, um, we, we're seeing the we'll see the team we'll see the cap at you know almost two hundred and five million next year, and then the year after that it could be near two two hundred and twenty. Um, and then we're in a whole different um, situation with the new CBA. We'll see what happens with that uh, mm-hmm. after twenty twenty. Let me ask you. You know, you bring that up as well. You know. As teams prepare their contracts for their free agents, whether it be their own or, or other free agents, how much do they have to pay attention to ha- what the new CBA, you know, the provisions can be? How much of an effect will that be? And, and again, we don't know what's going to change. We don't know if the accounting rules are going to change or, you know, will there be guaranteed contracts? Will teams be required, you know, for example, to spend a certain percentage of their cap like they were at the beginning of this one? I mean, what do you anticipate might, might come about? My hope is that there's a increase in uh, rookie contracts. Um, there's a huge issue right now in the NFL between the haves and the haves not the have nots. The haves are the quarterbacks. I mean, the haves are the positions the Giants are paying right now. The haves are quarterback, wide receiver, defensive end, left tackle, cornerback. I mean, if you hit free agency at those positions and you're perceived to be a top guy, you're going to make money that running backs. I mean, you don't even have to be a top guy, as Olivier Vernon kind of kind of showed us. He he was never someone who people were like, that's the best defensive end in the league. But he signed a contract that was at the time record setting. Um, so, you know, the linebackers, the running backs, although the Giants are spending a ton of money on, on Alec Ogletree, um, the linebackers, the running backs, um, the interior linemen, um, there are a bunch of positions that aren't getting, you know, the same kind of money in free agency. And some of those positions like running back are kind of used, used, abused and, and let go. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, um, I have, I have some, it's a, it's a nuanced situation with Le'Veon Bell, right? Because he wants to make X amount of money, but I, I felt, I feel his pain in terms of this team's never going to, this team's not giving me a contract and they've given me like 400 touches the last two or three seasons. And I know what they're doing. They're going to use me. They're going to let me go and I'm going to hit free agency after another year of 400 touches. And then the, the whole narrative around me is going to be, this guy, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell had, you know, 1,200 touches the last three years. Will he be able to hold up over the course of his next contract? So these, the big scenario that the NFLPA needs to focus on is these rookie contracts. Because Jason did a great study in 2016 that showed that the value that teams are getting in terms of the veteran costs of these players, if they were to hit the market as a veteran, like in terms of their production, um, the veteran cost is so much higher than 
the cost that they're they cost to the team. Uh, make sense? Yeah, yeah, right, definitely. Cool. Yeah, and and so that's my biggest concern. And in terms of what a team should do to prepare, what I really liked what the 49ers did as an example um, was, and it's something that the Jets can do. It's something that the Texans can do. The Colts, you know, look look at all the teams with a bunch of cap space. They have an opportunity to, if you get in a bidding war with with a team that doesn't have similar amount of cap space, and, and this is a concern when we talk about um, the interior offensive line because right now there's a bidding, there's going to be a bidding war, I think, on on Matt Paredes from um, the De- the Denver Broncos. He's a center, and although he's 31, the, the, although this next guy is 31, Roger Saffold, um, he's going to be probably the best le- left guard on the market. Um, a team that has a lot of cap space knows they have to, they they can just use it all up and they to some extent they have to use it they have to hit the 89% rule but they can front load a contract like the 49ers did with Jimmy G because what an agent is most concerned with an agent is most concerned with how much money is coming in the first 3 years because we can all look at these contracts we can all Jeremy Macklin you know there's we have all these guys in our head uh, that sign big contracts, and then by year three, year four, they're gone because they are not worth the amount of money that the team is slated to pay. So the concern is getting that money up front. And these teams can use that as an advantage, use that cap rollover they they, they accumulated um, to, to make a big splash in free agency. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting. And I was going to ask you as, as my final question, what type of mark, you know, given the Giants needs and, and, you know, free safety is a need, obviously, um, I don't think they're going to go free agency for, for pass rushers. I think they'll go draft, but I think free agency for sure, you know, right tackle, what kind of numbers, what, you know, what kind of increase in the market for those positions do you think we might be seeing? Uh, in, in the safety market mm-hmm. and, the, and the right tackle market? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the right tackle market should should continue to increase because, uh, a lot of I read an article in the middle of the year. I think it was someone from probably from Pro Football Focus or someone um, who was discussing the fact that a lot of the best. It was I, I think the article was actually centered around Lane Johnson, and they were discussing how a lot of the best defensive ends are just lining up on the left side now, on the defense's left side as they're facing the offense. So they're lining up against the right tackle, uh, and. Why do we value – I mean, I know the left tackle is the blind side, but if you have a great left-right tackle, he should have the same value or almost the same value as a left tackle. Currently, the left tackle market is I, – I think it's – so Lane Johnson sets the right tackle market at 11.25, but the second highest right tackle is Ricky Wagner of the Lions at 9.5, and part of that is – the idea when Lane Johnson signed that contract, what Jason and I both thought was that this was a contract that was actually also a good deal for the team because they were eventually going to move him over to left tackle as Jason Peters aged out of the NFL. Um, but Taylor Luan just signed a deal for $16 million. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, the right tackle market could be perceived as less than $10 million. So the right tackle market is something that I w- would like to see increase in value, and I think it should increase in value. Um, I think the safety market should at least be at that Eric Berry number of $13 million. I, I don't – from a lot of stuff that I've seen and that from my own research and then from what other guys uh, – what stuff I've read from other guys, when they look at the game is, is 
I mean, I, I don't understand why safeties are so much less valuable than cornerbacks when a great safety is, you know, can provide you with, you know, a lot. I mean, a cornerback shuts down one guy. A great safety can be involved in so many different ways. Uh, we see it with, I think, the Patriots. You know, I mean, we're, we're seeing, we saw it with the Eagles. And having three great safeties now is also a necessity in the league, or, or at least five good defensive backs. So I, I don't know. I don't care how you spend the money. If you have a great safety, that's a position that sh- that should be, uh, you know, valued at a higher level. All right, interesting stuff, Zach. Before we call it a show, tell everybody where else they can find your work. Uh, you can find my work on OverTheCap.com. I released a book last year that sort of details how organizations it's kind of a blueprint for how organizations think about the salary cap and and how they organize their rosters and and the book is called caponomics building super bowl champions because i analyzed uh, at that time the 23 super bowl champions of the salary cap era i looked at their salary cap situations i incorporated my own beliefs on i mean the stuff that i know about football and put it all together and, and it's been a People have told me it's a good resource, so I'll believe them. I think people, uh, they like it, so that's good. Uh, and then you can follow me at ZachMoreNFL.com. That's Zach with a K. And uh, I'm getting recertified as an NFL agent this year, so I'm excited about that and uh, looking forward to uh, jumping into that. Well, good luck to you on that. And by the way, your book, I, you know, I did get a copy of your book and very comprehensive. I mean, even for somebody who, who has a basic understanding of the salary cap, it's like you can really sit and spend lots of hours just with the little details that you lay out. So good job on that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, Giant fans, that will wrap up our show. I want to thank Zach Moore for coming on. And do come back with us later this week. We'll have more guests. We'll have more Giant talk. We'll talk draft. We'll have, uh, you know, maybe squeeze in some of your questions that were left over from Twitter Tuesday. A lot of stuff. So on behalf of Zach Moore, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.